1: Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today, I am joined by Ian Gilly. Ian is the founder of the Sugarloaf Social Club. It is a popular Instagram account. You've probably come across them. They, uh, They do a ton of stuff on golf courses. They also have a... Creative business, a Sugar Love Creative Lab, which is, uh, does kind of logo design and creative services for clubs or uh, across the country. So I had Ian i This is a long time coming. Ian, uh, a great golf course mind, uh, a great, uh, golf course explorer. So I, I wanted to talk to him about his recent trip, uh, through Kansas and, um, Oklahoma, as well as talk to him about the golf course he built. So, without further ado, here is Ian Gilly. So, uh, tell me about your your recent golf trip. I, I'm always intrigued. I feel like you get a, you go on at least once a year a trip that makes me wish that I was on the trip slash wish I had I had done that trip already. So, tell us about your your most recent trip. Yeah. So a couple years ago, I was like, you know, what would be interesting end
0: of the year, sort of detox, go on a solo golf trip. You know, like that feels like it could be really interesting and therapeutic and you can knock out a ton of courses in one day. So last year I did Nebraska and it was incredible. And then this year, so last week also flew into Denver, but flew out of Oklahoma city and just kind of played little Niners and some nice 18 hole spots along the way. Probably the highlights for me, Well, Boiling Springs is pretty cool. And perhaps you've heard of that. Golfer's Journal, I think, had an event out there last year. I mean, there's like a ton of sandy terrain kind of in this like prairie landscape. And so there there are some courses built on dunescapes. So yeah, Boiling Springs, which is in this little town in Kansas, oh, in Oklahoma, excuse me, uh, in Woodward, Oklahoma, just kind of was incredible. It was like a, a mashup between like Worldwoods, Tobacco Road, and kind of like Jupiter Hills Club vibes just set in that kind of terrain, so that was pretty. That was pretty incredible. But I think that the highlight for me of the trip, and we were texting about this a little bit, um, was Buffalo Dunes just south of Garden City, Kansas. Um, another municipal course, and these guys are really they. They view themselves as you know what Wild Horse in Nebraska is to Sandhills, like they view themselves as sort of that public B side option to a Prairie Dunes um, and. The superintendent who used to be out at Ballyneal and Prairie Club um, has come back. He's a local local guy, and he's been restoring this course three holes every year with a totally in-house team and an incredible budget. And they got one of uh, one of Core shapers to to help with the kind of master yeah, plan. Yeah, Zach,
1: for- Zach Vardy.
0: Yeah, it's in, it's incredible, and like what they've pulled off, they're probably halfway done from a budget standpoint, and an aesthetic standpoint, and a playability standpoint is insane. I mean, it's set on sandy soil and these rippling, you know, prairie dune vibes and they're delivering like exceptional, like world-class muni golf for an insane value. It's probably like 50 bucks to play there.
1: It's, it's one that I, I've, I've wanted to go for a couple of years. Uh, the, it, and every time I look up, like I always look up garden city and every time I look it up, I'm reminded, I'm like, I, I really have to go there And then it's like you got to hike back. But what prompted that as the locale?
0: It's it's absolutely stunning out there, and there's just these incredible nooks and crannies where they're. I mean, Nebraska is much more like severe, like sand dunes wise. But yeah, what what prompted me to go there? It's really like I I have a two year old kid. I think you got a young kid too. It's like how quickly and efficiently can I pull off like a three to four night? Golf trip, basically, and so it's really starts with like, where can I fly into that's convenient and fly out of that will get me home super fast. So that almost like the that bookend like dictates sort of this this road trip, and I and I know that like if I'm alone or even if I'm meeting up with one person like in these rural places, I can knock out. I mean, the first day I saw nine four nine hole golf courses, like I was just flying, and like you can drive like crazy fast out there because there's basically no one out there. So yeah, I was looking at all sorts of like. Denver to Albuquerque I mean there's some cool stuff like there's this um Andy Staples course uh, I really want to check out out there Rockland dude that was I was like trying my best to like figure out how to get there so there's like a lot of stuff left to be seen and I think like I mean you can spend all your money and take a couple weeks and try to get to these obscure courses in like northern Scotland or wherever but if you go to the middle of our own country and Sure. It's like remote, but maybe it's a two hour flight to Denver and then a three hour car ride to Bayside. Like that's some incredible golf and it, you know, you're there quicker than you were somewhere else. So it's hopefully like encouraging and like inspiring to folks to like think outside the box for a golf trip. Number one. And like, you can go by yourself
1: or just go with one other person and it'll still be cool. A cool hang. How did you how did you start? How did you decide to go by yourself? Was it was it COVID induced? Like what you know? I, I I've got a two year old too. We're in like the exact same boat, and it was kind of like I think COVID at that time was really weird because you know when COVID hit, my wife was pregnant, so you're very very careful, you know. And then you know afterwards, then you have a newborn. When the world's starting to open up, but you have a newborn, so you're still being really careful. Like how did the the solo aspect of this trip come about.
0: Yeah, I mean that first
1: year, so that was my
0: first one was last year around the same time. And so, you know, he's he's almost one year old at this point. And you know that first those first six, eight months are just tough, man, as a first-time parent. And you're like, <laughs> the first three months are a black hole. The next few you're just trying to like come back to the reality. And so there was like a year where I didn't get to go like on a golf trip. And so yeah, last year was just on a whim like Hey babe, I'm thinking about flying to the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, and playing golf for like four days. Is that possible? And she's like, "Sure, go go this weekend." So I like booked that trip in like a couple days, and um, yeah, it's it's kind of intense. It's an intense golf trip for sure because you don't know what you're getting into. And some of these courses, even on this last trip, like I did weeks of research, and I show up, and the course has been closed for you. Like there's just no updates coming from like selling Oklahoma, you know, to the golf world about their little nine hole sand hole course. So they they aren't keeping up to date on their Facebook page. (laughs) I mean, sometimes Facebook's the best place to find out about these courses. I mean, if I see a post within the last few months, I'm like, okay, maybe they're open. Maybe. But yeah, it's, it's funny, man. It's, and I just, I love, I mean, I didn't see a soul for like the first two days at these golf courses. Like it's just, it was a little creepy, honestly. Everything's Honor Box system for the most part. Like, I mean, man, when I saw my first pro shop at Boiling Springs, I just like dropped my whole wallet in there basically because I was so excited to like see a box of Pro B1s for the first time in a few days.
1: So, yeah, it's really, it's fun though. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's research? You said you spent weeks researching. Yeah, Google Earth, man. I spend hours
0: on Google Earth and I'm like, you can almost guarantee that every little town, has some semblance of something golf. And so I'm just on there like I know I'm in Denver, flying to Denver. Okay, I'm just like plotting points like along this route and just finding courses and like starring them basically. And then from there going into the their Facebook pages or, you know, what maybe someone wrote an article about them 10 years ago about their grand opening or whatever. So tons of notes and you know knowing where you're sleeping each night is kind of like the first order of business um, and locking those in so but yeah, I'm a huge google earth guy that's pretty much how i find all these courses in the middle of nowhere
1: yeah we we did uh i was in the sand hills of nebraska a few times this year and it's it's funny they uh both times stayed local lodging and like the highlight of my summer i would say is we finished like a long day we were doing Shooting at Sand Hills for this uh this superintendent thing that we're putting together this fall and uh and it was like we finished shooting the restaurant had closed you know because it's later at night we got we got a pizza from the gas station we drive to our motel and we're just eating on the hood of the car and we got like you know a six pack of beer and it's like that's the beauty of doing these like remote trips and in some of those it, like when you're talking about Nebraska Sand Hills you know Western kansas is you just have these moments of like it's a little bit more it it does it's not it's definitely not filled with frills but it's filled with these moments where you're just like you know what this is pretty good so i think for people that are familiar with your page uh sugar social they've seen your journeys and and i feel like this is kind of an extension of uh of your journeys through the uh northeast and in upstate new york and maine and in vermont and uh you know what are some of your favorite places from those uh journeys, a little bit less known golf courses?
0: Yeah, I think if we're gonna like look to Maine, I mean, there's so much cool little stuff there. And Styles and Van Cleek, I mean, they're just dotted all over the, the Northeast. But I think North Haven Island, which you have, it's in Maine, you have to take a ferry to it, nine-hole SVK course out there, all these secret tee boxes. I mean, there's even one tee box that's like on the beach held up by like lobster crates, basically with AstroTurf tea box. And you're hitting over this little tiny inlet. And that one to me is like incredibly, incredibly special. But yeah. You get up, you get up in the Adirondacks. I mean, there's something there's like, I mean, basically you look at all these like nooks and crannies that are deep in the middle of nowhere in the Northeast and kind of down the East coast that were like summer retreats for the, for the wealthy a hundred years ago. So you'll find a lot of golden age stuff. Like there's the front end of Thindara out there and the, near the Adirondacks is just Donald Ross. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, it's, it's hard once my like perspective on like what made golf kind of fun and like shifted from trying to chase lists and see all the cool, super nice famous stuff. Like there's so, there's an endless supply basically of interesting quirky local stuff. So Yeah, those
1: are a couple of my like absolute favorites up there, I would say. I think something that appeals to me about when you're going somewhere that's relatively unknown is the discovery aspect of it. You know, having never seen a photo of a place or a good photo of a place or never, you know, there not being something written up or a grand thing done about it, like it really appeals. It like makes me excited to turn the next corner. It's almost like, you you build certain experiences up so much in your head. And when you go on these discovery trips, like you've done, it's almost like you, your expectations are out the window. So then it allows you to just like, almost enjoy the courses more.
0: Yeah, it's probably like what I'm always like, secretly chasing is that feeling of discovering something organically, for the first time, like you haven't been I mean, I, I can't think of like a top 100 club that I almost haven't seen every hole on Instagram. Hollywood Golf Club like would really love to go there, but Country Club Collection just posted every hole today. And I was like, I just played the course basically. So, you know, there's there's not much left uncovered. And that's kind of what drives me to go deeper and deeper and more obscure. Like the other day I was looking up and like, what is near the Arctic Circle in Canada? Like how how weird and far can we keep pushing this that people haven't seen kind of in our orbit. Um, and I think like a lot of the really, really cool stuff is, is found. I mean, has been found, but you know, ever, every so often, I mean, even, even locally to me here, this, this place called capon Springs, which is like once upon a time rivaled Greenbrier and Homestead and it's in West Virginia. And it's like, it took me like 10 years to find this place and it's 90 minutes from my house. So there's still some like, truly like hidden gems out there but you're right it's that that feeling that like it's like a treasure hunt or like i don't know antiquing or something and you find this cool little trinket and like that makes that experience incredibly special and that's kind of what i'm always chasing honestly
1: i you know i i looked at at a golf course there's a golf course in the yukon territory of canada that's i've i've looked this up It's, it's only open for like two months of the year so, tell me a little bit about uh, about Sugarloaf Social. How you guys got started, and then I I think I have a feel, but the evolution of it and what it you know what it's become. To make a long story as short as possible, it really
0: goes back to when I was at Rollins College with my two roommates. This is in 2011, and we're playing Corn Crenshaw's Sugarloaf Mountain, which doesn't exist anymore outside of Orlando. You know, it's getting towards the end of the school year and we're getting kind of sentimental and emotional and we're all going our separate ways. And, you know, I've always been a huge fan of like, I just love branding and like, let's, let's name something and then figure it out. Like, let's invent a sport and run with it sort of thing. Like, so we're on the 16th toll at Sugarloaf Mountain and I'm just like, hey guys, why don't we, why don't we just call our little group here, Sugarloaf Social Club. And it'll sort of give us some incentive to, you know, keep in touch after college and maybe add some new friends to the fold. And that's literally like what Sugarloaf Social Club was for five, six, seven years. I mean, it was like a text chain and like a private Facebook group of like twenty guys. And we would go on one trip a year to find her. So we still the core still still does that. But obviously, like wanted a cool logo for our little group and love merch. So started making making some hats. And we're we're kind of one of the early people into Instagram at this point. And oh yeah. You know, I saw Instagram as, like, this incredible platform that beyond, like, maybe any other niche, like, golf was poised to, like, be so strong with Instagram by its side. Because it's such, like, a visual, like, you're collecting Pokemon cards going to all these courses, right? And, like, I, I think one of the, not to derail from, like, the origins of Shrugalo, but, yeah, like, in, I think people, like, under like forget or underestimate how important, like, Instagram was to So these cool, like Tobacco Road today, that place was mocked or people didn't understand it. And like, you can't tell, you can't show a picture of someone Tobacco Road in 1999, you know? So, but damn, like that Instagram comes around and now you can like visually collect this like social currency of like, hey, I was here and look how cool it is. And it shifted perspectives for, you know, I think we were, you know, part of that. And places like Tobacco Road are like the coolest place to like get that Pokemon stamp, get that password stamp now.
1: There, there's definitely like Instagram courses, like courses that, yeah. you know, it, it, I, I know you know it. I know it as people that, you know, post pictures, but like you go certain places and you discover a place and it's like, oh, when I post a picture of this course, people are going to be like, holy shit like, where is this place? All right. And, and Tobacco Road was, uh, you know, Tobacco Road, Sweetens Cove. Like, you know, you could go down a list of courses that visually, you know, not a lot of people have been to, but once that, like, it's one thing to say to somebody, Hey, you should go see this course, but it's another thing to show, to show them why they should go see a course. And that's what Instagram has done for, for so many courses.
0: Yeah, totally agree. So anyway, I mean, going like, Kind of recognized that early, like this was going to be a powerful platform for cool golf stuff. And I had this incredible library from like, of golf pictures, you know, from playing golf, you know, after college to this kind of Instagram moment and even stuff from traveling, you know, when I was abroad in Scotland for school. And anyway, it was just like this perfect storm of like, we had a brand before we had merch basically. And then once we had merch, people were like, Hey, that's a cool hat. Can I like PayPal you? and you can send it to me and like that kind of worked for the first few you know merch transactions and I was like you know this is like really annoying I got to build a website and then it just snowballs from there right and so like I always wanted to have my own brand and have it kind of be a part of something and and kind of mean something to people and make folks happy which I think Sugarloaf does for many many golfers and that's just kind of how it started and snowballed and our and our strategy is like what does Ian want like you know I really need a new white hat okay so we order new white hats like that's that's kind of like as complicated as like the ordering strategy is in the design process. So, and that's, so yeah, that's Sugarloaf Social Club. And then behind that, my business partner and I also had, have an agency called Sugarloaf Creative Lab. We've done a bunch of creative work for big and small golf properties across the country. And so that's, that's a really fun, you know, Sugarloaf Social Club is a very public facing entity. And that kind of proves some of this, you know, creative sauce to folks. And they're like, Hey, like, Maybe you guys can help us with this logo or this scorecard. So, yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, Pinehurst and Pebble Beach and PJ National, and it's been it's been incredible. Um, but we're really focusing on our ourselves more going forward. So, looking forward to that.
1: Well, I, I know that you guys have done a lot of work with like Pinehurst with logos and branding. Uh, what's the, what's the key? If you this is what's the key to distilling down a great logo for a course that's looking for a new logo like what do you think what do you how do you go about that process
0: yeah i think like where our special sauce lied was being able to sort of find that like kernel of something interesting from the archives whether it's the color palette of the courses at at pinehurst or a picture of a sea line on one of the greens at pebble beach when we did their par three uh their new part three logo um finding finding this like little kernel of inspiration and then you know i think there's like a language of golf course logos that like works and stuff that doesn't work and things don't necessarily need to scream golf you know we definitely have some like flag sticks and some of the logos we've done but like we think of these logos these courses as like almost like apparel brands like pebble beach's logo that's their swoosh that's their ralph Lauren pony so like how do you These are very simple, almost, you know, monotone marks sometimes that have stood the test of time. And so not trying to be too trendy and pulling from the archives and making something that we feel like will last for 100 more years, basically. And like, there's a great, you know, you look at the top 100 courses and like, there's only a few courses that kind of have like wackish logos, like Crystal Downs or something, you know, like. um, Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> the drive-by of crystal dallas i i they're on my pinboard of like what are the few horses
1: that could maybe use something but like that's also cool that like you have like a you know kind of scottish i don't even i don't even know how you describe it it's like a shield
0: it's a belt it's like a it's like a yeah it's like a it's got to be a tartan like derivative something
1: do you have uh what's what's your in your opinion what's what's the best and what what would you say is is the the most overrated logo, and your favorite one?
0: I think the Maidstone and the Winged Foot stuff is is wonderful.
1: Um, I think
0: looking to like more of like a modern, you know, I think the Monterey Peninsula Country Club folks that's I believe that's like a modern iteration of of their logo. I think they've they've done an incredible job of that. Like I love kooky characters and like. Yeah, I mean, I kind of I probably like all the same ones like a lot of folks do. I mean, my favorite my probably one of my favorite logos is like that old ANGC members logo that kind of has all these like quirky like off turquoise colors and lowercase letters and you know, I think I'm really drawn to the hand the hand drawn looking things, you know. Like in graphic design in general, there's a lot of I mean, you go down to your local hipster coffee store and it looks like the exact same logo as 50 others and I think there's like a little bit of a, you know, we're stuck society creatively in like an aesthetic right now. Um, And a lot of that probably has to do with, there's so many people who are so talented using like computer graphic design programs and like going back to that, you know, hand drawn style, I think is what, you know, subconsciously these logos that stand the test of time have, Um, they were done by hand hundred years ago basically and so that's some of what we try to you know bring to our marks as well
1: you make such a good point it is like there are in a way trends get shook shook up I have a, a colleague who i I don't think he'd mind me calling him a, co- a coffee snob a complete coffee snob but he he will he says that he can tell without going into a coffee shop <laughs> if you'll like it or not and it's all about the look like he he knows what a, a coffee shop that he would like looks like from the outside yeah and but like at the same time if you think about like what houses are being built like if i see another modern farmhouse in a neighborhood it's like come on <laughs> do something different but the same thing in a way with golf architecture golf architecture will get stuck people will shake it up you know and you'll get like a you know in a, in a way like Tom Doke and, and Bill and Ben, you know, they introduced a, a little bit new style, right? this naturalized style, right? And you can see then it starts to run through all of their peers. And I'm not saying all of them copy like you know, but I listened to Bill, he said Bill once on the pod said, Pete dies the most you know underrated architect because he changed golf architecture twice, and what he he introduced new styles. And then everybody else, you know, adapted those styles and everything looked like it. But none of it was that. And it's, inter- you know, what you said about logos, right? I feel like characters are super in with logos right now. Like everybody's looking for like an animal or, or something. And it's like, like a logo that I love that gets like almost like underrated because of it is like some of the letter logos that intertwine letters like SFGC or Sandhills.
0: How am like- Shore Acres? Dude, that one is unbelievable.
1: And in, in, in a way, they have gotten a little bit they've become not cool because, you know, the the animals and stuff are, you know, are in. And I get it like the whale, the Maidstone whale is is <laughs> cool, I, you know, but at the same time, let's not forget that there's other ways you could do stuff. And, and I think that's the neat thing about it is like, you know, some of the cool stuff is just like, you know, Sandhills is famously I think it was Bill like did it with his foot or something.
0: You made a great point, man, because it's, like, even the Sea Island script, like, that's not a font. Like, someone 100 years ago, like, hand, like, calligraphied that, and it's so iconic. So, and I think all those kind of monograms you just mentioned have that similar, like, imperfect, they're almost like an imperfect, you know, like, with the way the little, like, wings on the top of the A at, you know, Shore Acres kind of fly off, and yeah. So, underrated, you're right. And, like, I've been thinking about that a lot, too, about the how architect, like, Man, these courses are starting to all look very similar to me. And like all like I'm excited for Sedge Valley because someone's doing something different. Or like who's gonna like who's gonna read like is like the Flossmoor Country Club, like Chicago tree lined is that aesthetic gonna come back ever? Like like no one's building like a country club course anymore. I don't know. Or like who's gonna try to do like a Langford and Moreau style something? You know? I'm almost like done with like the natural
1: supernatural stuff and let's try some other other looks you're doing effectively art when you're doing these logo things like it's you're an artist you're getting hired and you're doing art and i think about this a lot is like you know where would golf architecture be if it was more like other arts right Where, like hey i want to be a golf architect and somebody could go just like build a course on land like without an owner because like that's how famous artists become discovered right is that they draw something in their room or their little like two foot studio their closet of a studio but with golf courses like you get hired by somebody and somebody you know they're when you get hired by you know so and so so uh, so rare is the case that like they are just going to like sit back and be like you know what whatever build me a golf course i'll come check on you in two years (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Nobody does that. Right. So like, instead you have like these, and I think like way, like what's your, you know, I think a lot of golf architects probably say, what's your, what are your favorite courses? And then they build around that vein rather than like, this is what I want to build. And this is what I want to contribute to the art of golf architecture.
0: Yeah. And like, they're kind of put in a confined to like this prescriptive box before they put a shovel in the dirt. Like it's gotta be this many holes. It has to, the back tees have to get to this yardage. And I need this mix of – this kind of standard mix of fives, fours, and threes. And so it's, fu- it's, it's, it's so funny to me, man. Like I mean even like St. Andrews is so different and quirky and like the two-par-threes. And I don't know. People don't always like look back. They think they're looking back and inspired by stuff. But like Pine Valley was sitting there for 100 years and like no one really built another cool barons course until the like 80s or nineties. What's that about? So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what's, I think what's next in like golf course architecture are more quirk and charm and urban or far out, like five hole, six hole, par threes, whatevers. Um, so I think that's where there's some like opportunity to do creative stuff. Cause you're right. Like, how are you going to convince this billionaire who's finally got Every, all the ducks in a row to build his first course like how are you going to convince him to do something totally off the wall
1: one of the courses that i was most taken aback about how much i enjoyed this year was uh scottsdale national and you know i, I played with uh tim and david tim jackson and david Kahn when i was out there and and i you know <laughs> i love to poke fun at the pxg commercials <laughs> on tv who doesn't the guy comes on he's just yelling at you bob parsons and so i asked, i was like you guys gotta you gotta give me the dirt give me the dirt how is bob as a as a client and they're like honestly greatest client ever and so they brought him out i apparently i don't think they didn't tell the story on the pod but they brought him out um you know early on and they were showing him all the stuff and he said to him listen like hey guys like I haven't had a Christmas morning in twenty five years. Like I have so much money, when I want something, I buy it. And he's like, this golf course is going to be my Christmas morning. I don't want you to tell me anything going on. I want to come out here on opening day and have like genuine shock. And so he just did let them go do whatever they wanted. And it's kind of like crazy. It's like you think of all the clients, like all the people that would be like my last pick or somebody that would just get out of the way.
0: That's incredible. Great, great anecdote. And like that stuff. Even did, are those are the same guys who did that. They're like Bad Little Nine
1: as well. Yeah. Bad Little Nine too. It's a cool place.
0: Yeah. At least that's some like I haven't really seen that before. That is, that's something different. You know, that's
1: gnarly golden tee fun golf. Well, you brought up, you brought up um, Tobacco Road. Like that's a perfect example. Like, is Tobacco Road my favorite course? No. But, like, what I love about Tobacco Road is it makes you feel something. Too much architecture doesn't do that. What I also
0: love about Tobacco Road, and I think about this all the time, like, growing up, again, I'd never seen a photo of this place, but, like, was playing junior tournaments in the Pinehurst area, and there's, like, you know, whispers of this, like, crazy hard, quirky, which, like, quirky was, like, a bad thing, right, like, in the 90s. Um, And so, you know, in my head, it's, like, this impossible, like, wacky, you get out there and like turns out a third of the pins are gonna be punchable. Like you're gonna have like six birdies, you know? My dad's gonna have a thrilling ball bound towards the pin and he's gonna remember that shot forever. And so yeah, that's the strength stuff and especially the back road, man. I mean, like at least that's di- that's different. Like that is something
1: wholly unique. Yeah. But instead, everybody's going to build the same coffee shop. The one thing I do, like I've seen like Brian Schneider's been bringing back a lot of um, above ground features. Those are some of my favorite things. Like, and you, you know, I see them so much on your page when you're out seeing quirky places is like, you know, the idea of like mounds and chocolate drops and stuff. Like, it's just like the stuff has such utility you know, it, early on, it was just a place to put rocks and obviously th- that's not it anymore. But like the idea of like it not being a bunker, it doesn't need to be raked all the time. It's actually more difficult and it gives you like, you know, it gives you different levels of for your eye to get drawn in different places for your eye to get drawn.
0: Yeah, the Walter Travis stuff, especially, and, you know, Jaeger proper golf on Instagram. He's, he's got a couple um, Travis products he's always working on too and it's like, they're manipulative features like they're man-made things or they're like hey we gotta put this rock here and sod's just gonna grow over it over time but like that stuff was like taken out of a lot of courses for like the longest time i'm sure you've seen that i think it's the is it the 15th or 16th hole at columbia country club like the par three that oh, yeah. used to have like a huge pimple in the middle of it and like all these like cool like you know, shoulders where the green kind of rolled over and then like continued. I mean, just incredible stuff. Yeah. I think the Travis I mean you're just at Country Club of Troy, right? Like there's some cool That's a cool place. It's cool stuff out there that's that you're right. Like yeah, bring yeah, more of that. Like more centerline hazards, like more chocolate drops, like
1: more vertical like inverted bunkers. Like I'm here for that. So you bought a course. Yes. How did, how did this come about? You know, this is everybody's dream is to buy, buy a golf course. You, you, so you, How did you find it? How did you decide to buy it? Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> we need some details,
0: too. Sure, yeah. It's called Sugarloaf Field Club. It's in Whitehall, New York, which is just on the edge of the Adirondack Park on the eastern side of Lake George. And, you know, you're right. It's everyone's everyone's dream to, like, have a course of their own or build build something from scratch or buy something. And, you know, our our partner in this venture, David Cronheim, his family owns and operates Watchtong Valley uh, in New Jersey. You know, he and I are good buddies. have known each other for 10 years. And, you know, it's kind of the classic, like, friends late night texting, like, dream ideas. And, like, look at this place or look at this piece of land. And this year we got really serious about how do we, how do we, like, go from just talking about it to, like, doing something interesting is it do we buy a house in the Pinehurst area do we you know save Buena Vista which is a public course you know in rural Virginia like we're looking for something and it wasn't especially like what we ended up with but David just happened to find the real estate listing for this this place um, and it was called Whitehall Field Club originally built by this guy who sort of had his own boyhood dream too. He was like, I'm, I want my own golf course. So what he built was six holes that resemble kind of St. Andrew's style links golf and the Augusta national clubhouse. And this guy had never been to either one of those. So it's this total, like kooky, like boyhood dream situation. And, And Steve Durkee was the architect. And, and, you know, David and I, we go out there the first time this summer and like the real estate listing, like, the place looks gorgeous. Like it looks like we brought our clubs. David's got his spikes on the parking lot. We get there and there's Heather like above our head. This place hadn't been mowed in like two or three years. So um, we, we basically, we bought a field um, that we're mowing back down into the golf course. But yeah, man, it's, it's, you know, we've had our superintendent out there for three weeks and it's, it's looking really good. Like, the green fairways are popping back. We're going to have to sod the greens in the, in the spring, but um, yeah, it's going to be a private club, probably 50 members and bringing some cabins and have some lodging in the clubhouse as well. And it's just going to be a little Adirondack camp vibe club. So
1: six holes. What's uh? what's the, what's the gist of the holes? Are you going to do any work to them or are you going to kind of, are you in a wait and see period? I think wait, you know, bring it, bring it back to, Playable right now like it's actually really
0: it's like I don't know if it's accidentally good or on purpose good but it's like it's good it's they're good golf holes it's not a short course it's like a legit par 5 length opener and 180 yard par 3 second hole and so on so you know it's it's four greens so two of the middle greens are shared and you just play three holes out and three holes back and it's flanked by the um, by a canal and, and a river. So there's, there's water views and you look down the, the saddles, which is the mountain range of that area. And like you hear six holes and you're like, yeah, you know, that's not going to do it for me, but it's legit golf and good architecture. And so, you know, basically just like, let's restore this place first and put sod on these greens. And there's interesting movements and that'll be step one and maybe a few new back tee boxes, but we will definitely be looking to like up the architectural game in the seasons to follow and finding the right, you know, shaper or architect to help us through that project as well.
1: The, uh, the thing about it too, is like six holes is kind of like good for a vacation spot because like, if you're going to the Adirondacks, there's other stuff to do too. You know, the beyond golf. Like I, I always think about like the, there's a couple great like little clubs in like Southwest Michigan, uh, dunes clubs, obviously one of them, but it's like nine hole course. You can scoot around um you know short 18 hole course was you know 5700 yards that you can just kind of fly around and get back because you know you want maybe go to the lake or do some other stuff it's the idea of like six holes is uh it, like you said earlier i think that's like the thing that needs to be pushed for golf is like different versions because you could play those six holes so many different ways if you just change up tees you change up like you know if you have a lot of tea boxes, you know, it could change the complete angle of the tee shot. Then all of a sudden it's a completely different hole, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And like the the truth is like when folks and members and guests are out there, like if it's, if, it, if there's 12 people on property, like it, that would be an insane situation. So like you can imagine like getting your cross country on or playing in your tensum or I'm just going to play three holes, then go have a beer on our Augusta national replica clubhouse veranda for you know, an hour or read a book or, and like, there's, you know, I think the type of folks that we attract, like, understand that like golf doesn't have to be like this, you know, exact like championship 18 whole thing. And they're also open to like adventures too. And there's a lot of cool golf in that area, public and private, like super high and super low stuff. So from Glens Falls and Aquatic to a lit par three course down the street to these little hamlets on Lake George, all have like, nine and five whole courses. So it's more than interesting. And you're right. It's like, it's a vacation. It's like a vacation club, basically. And there's more stuff to do than just golf, or you can create your
1: own adventure with golf as well. What was the hardest part about the whole process so far? What has been the hardest part?
0: You know, the behind the scenes stuff that like people don't know about or don't want to think about, like the the fun of it is like, wow, you own your own golf course. But the reality is like, you're buying like multiple acres from some person you don't know, you know, with that has like structures and irrigation and there's water, AKA potential. Like we don't, you know, you just, it's, you have to like, that's where David is so helpful in this situation. Like maybe I'm the creative marketing brain, but he's the lawyer real estate brain and just close. Like if you've ever bought a home, like, you know, like how intense that is. So like amp that up to like 65 acres that has, clubhouse and and a septic system that's kind of independent and so that's that's been you know the real learning curve for me is just the like the boring the boring dealing with county regulations state regulations like thank goodness we're not in the adirondack park or else you know you couldn't look at a tree for without getting a violation so and it becomes really serious once you start hiring people and that that feels like you're we have a superintendent who's relying on us to figure out the membership model and we have to pay for his life. And like, people are like dependent on this place. So like, that's, that's a huge responsibility too. It's not, it's not just owning a golf course. You own a golf course where you also have to generate revenue to pay people. Um, so, you know, those, those realities are just, it's just like running, you know, the, the non-sexy side of just like running businesses, and seeing the, the paperwork side of things. Um, so, but like, honestly, this has been, this project, we've only been involved with this for, you know, in earnest for two months now. So, you know, we gotta, we've been talking with different cabin vendors, We're bring, you know, like finding the right cabin fit, finding the right guy we can trust to like hook those up to the sewage system. Um,
1: then finding somebody to maintain them.
0: Yeah, totally. Finding good labor is tough in these remote parts of, of the country too, so food like what are people going to do for food like there's not a there's not a kitchen but it's but people you know the the folks who are we had probably five hundred thousand people email us interested in joining this place and david and i've been spent the last couple weeks just meticulously going through every talking to everyone on the phone zoom calls like it's it's been an incredible process to like find the right culture fit of people who are going to understand how cool this place can be How'd you, how'd you land on 50 members? You know, it's just capacity and six holes with 12 to 14 places to sleep, you know, kind of just went, went from there and we're like, how many folks theoretically could like fit in this place and have access to these, to overnight opportunities, you know, during the good season. So that's kind of, that's kind of how we came up with that and just small, intimate, everyone knows each other. I mean, that's really appealing to us, you know, like the golf course is incredibly social and the, you know, the hangs are going to be very communal. So it's like keeping it tight and like getting good stewards who like understand our vision and are totally jazzed about the concept is, was, was crucial for us. So, um, and we're going to have a handful of uh, probably like 10 or 20 more local members too. Um, We think that's super important. So many good courses in the area that folks belong to and just good Sugarloaf fans basically up there um, who want to be a part of it as well. And to have some local people who can play host a little bit to folks and um, just be, you know, cause I live in Northern Virginia and David lives in New Jersey. So we're going to be up there as much as possible, but you know, our, our North star, like one of my favorite golfing experiences, and this is not a totally perfect parallel, but I mean, you've been to Kingsley, like you just show up there, go to your cabin and go golf. And there's like cereal in the cupboard. I was really drawn to that, and like emulating lightly staffed, do what you want, come as you are, have fun, be relaxed was kind of the the impetus for this cereal field club.
1: It's, it's exciting. I mean, I I think the more more relaxed golf can be, right? Is the, is the better? With last question to get you out of here, what what are the three courses you think about the most? Not the best, just the ones that you you think about the most probably I mean Culver I think is probably my number one it's getting so good too Michael's doing such such a good job there he's killing it I think
0: you know I grew up in the south side Chicago and we would go every summer to Culver and so like I've played that course thousands of times and I mean I don't know if you were ever there before the renovation but it was like
1: I wasn't yeah it was You know, there's no sand in these... You
0: can just see these huge, you know, Langford Road dramatic, like, bunkers. There's no sand in the bunkers. The greens are over-irrigated, super... Like, you're getting, like, a plugged lie every time in the greens. And there's just, like, gophers and, like, dirt fairways. But I loved it. And everyone always ripped on it so hard because the conditioning was, like, horrible. And it's just, like, the free academies course. And I was like, no way. This is, like, stupid special. So I almost was, like, when they renovated it. Of course, like I had like master plans myself and like drawings you know, and all my sketchbooks of like how I would do it or how I would add nine more holes. But, you know, I'm almost like sometimes when these courses get renovated and like bring some notoriety to them, there's like a part of me that's kind of sad. Like, it's like, it's no longer my really hidden haunt that no one else likes. And that's why I love it because it's like, you know, an independent identification of something unique and cool that means something to me so um but it's an incredible restoration renovation so that's probably my probably my number one and then like you know if i had to put some other ones in the box i mean i think like yale to me sits in a similar like culver vein like i think did langford go to um yale so i mean that, that one just
1: i think about that one a lot probably Worldwoods probably Worldwoods too man are you are you worried that you they're they're gonna you know that's your spot? First of all, I was like shocked when I heard that. Like
0: Cabot, I mean, it's an it's kind of an incredible story. Like that would, I mean, it's akin to like Kaiser buying like name what whatever. Like, I it hasn't. I feel like this like hasn't. This like it hasn't happened really before. Where a huge entity with a track record of building new modern architecture like remote spots is like gone and bought a relic um, I, they're not going to mess. They're going to, that's going to be an incredible, incredible spot. It's so special with the live Oaks and the the Barrens. I mean, it's, I don't know that one, I think, you know, the mid, mid pines too, probably for me, I mean, I know it's four courses now, but I, a lot of courses to me, like I, I look back to my junior, like when did I start to recognize like golf architecture? I grew up at Flossman country club. And like, when you're young and you grow up at a place, you don't realize, you don't play a lot of other courses. You don't know, you don't understand like what you have in front of you is special, and there's other cool stuff down the road. And so, once I started playing in junior tournaments at like Ravislow and Pine Needles, I was like, "Oh man, World Woods!" I was like, "Wow, there's more than just my little backyard country club. Like, there's some incredible, different, cool stuff out there. Like, I need to know more." So, those ones that left an early impression on me are still my favorites, honestly. Culver, Yale, Ravislow.
1: Yeah, fl- phosphorus, good one, a good spot.
0: Yeah, Baltimore's, I grew up right by the second tee there, so that was my spot. Yeah, what are your what are your three? I need to know.
1: Uh, listen, listen, I I ask the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Pelican uh, Beach in Nebraska, like like, oh, like God, like, that place is
0: amazing. Like those, I think about all the time. Like like, it's not too like little remote spots can have compelling arc golf architecture. Like, it's not just because it's like a poor municipality like you have to do the lowest common denominator
1: golf architecture like it's possible to have both i think so one, i think about a, a ton i think about wild horse an irrational amount and i think it's because like the first time i went there i played it and i walked off and i was like that's one of the 10 best courses in america like public courses it's in my top 10 for sure And I like thought and and then like, you know, a year went by and I started to doubt myself. I was like, oh, maybe not. You know, maybe I just I was, you know, it was just the moment I went back out there the summer and I was like, you know what? It might be better than top 10. And like that place is out of this world. It's Shinnecock of the Sandhills. It's it is a
0: dead ringer for something you'd find on Long Island. And it is. And, like, I don't usually care about conditioning, but when conditioning is like good and firm and adds to the enjoyment of like the strategy, like, that's when golf becomes like next level fun. And that place was insanely firm, super tight. So,
1: that's, you're right, Andy. That's, that is in my, it's in my top 10 for sure. I've said this, I think, before on here, but I think Sand Hills is a better golf course than it. But if I was like presented with them both in my backyard, I would play Wild Horse more than I'd played hills. And I don't know, like, and this is my problem with rankings really is like there's so many different ways to break it down. Like, well, what what course would you play if you were going to die tomorrow? Your answer might be different than what course would you play if you could play it every day? Yeah. Those are different buckets, right? And how do you possibly rank those? You know, right? They they go in. but, anyways, wild horses. One, I think, irrationally about, like, irrationally too much about. I'd say, I grew up in Lake Bluff, and Shore Acres was always like the the place. You know that that was the one spot that like opened my eyes. That like, you know, I I grew up playing Lake Bluff Golf Club, the municipal there, and I grew up working at at Conway and Knollwood. But then when you go to Shore Acres, you were like, God, this this place has like some next level stuff. Like this place is different than ever everywhere else I've been. Um, so that one is on there for me. And then, you know, I, I do, I love like diamond Springs, which is a Mike DeVries course. And the reason I love that is because it's just like, you know, the, just the, the maintenance of it is, is what I love is like single cut, you know, basically to the, to the fescue, to the, like the native, and then really cool greens, and it's like that's really all you need.
0: Yeah, the is so good.
1: Yeah, he's, he's so. I don't know. Those those are probably the three that I've come come to mind. But you know, you could do so many. I mean, Yale's incredible. Yale's like, I mean, that place. I, I that place after the renovation is it, going to be one of the twenty best places in the country.
0: And that's that's of like. I don't know. I get this like irrational fear about places being. Restored or renovated to their like peak glory. Like, I kind of like the bar conversation of a place that has tons of potential and is never going to get restored. Like, that's that's almost more fun to me in a way. I love kiki Alex. Speaking <laughs> of that, like, who's gonna? I don't know, is anyone building that style of golf course right now? Like, not, not entirely. I mean, I don't know, some of the tree farm stuff might kind of look like that with sort of those edge drastic you know longer bunkers but
1: i kai kai um kai was telling me that it's like really really hard to build langford moreau style with modern equipment interesting well it's like different equipment right different tools I riley johns always told me he wanted to do a course that was like uh completely old school like build (laughs) <laughs> like, like horse and plow. Like hire the mules and <laughs> yeah. get the get – yeah, that's hilarious.
0: I mean, we might be getting – to that. honestly, we might like the fifth course in Sand Valley, like they might have to go to that. Like what's going to – well, we built this with like wood and copper tools by hand basically. What do you think about Lido? That looks insane. Thank God. Like someone – I mean, that's what's so awesome. Like I, I think of – and I'm not comparing – myself to Mike Kaiser by any stretch of imagination, but like that guy started with a nine hole court, like, you know, and then they made the best golf in the world. Basically one place abandoned and no one's going to question their, you know, leadership. And then they get to do some cool stuff like that. So Lido looks absolute, like that's probably my favorite golf content of the year, right? Like any drone video or photo from Lido. So it almost like old, like old Mac is one of my favorite courses. And that sort of start, you know, feels like that, like, sort of those shared fairway situations and tons of ripples. And yeah, that's an incredible thing they're doing there. Old Old Mac is greatly
1: underappreciated. I think that's, that might be my favorite course abandoned potentially. I think like if, if you, if you were going to say which one would you play the most, I'd play that the most. I think my favorite, my favorite walk is probably trails. I think the best course is, is packed dunes. See, this is the problem. This is the problem with rankings. It's more... Superlatives is a better term.
0: I like to know what people's, like, what could they play every day for the rest of their lives. And, like, to me, Waverly Country Club in Portland and then Prouts Neck over in Maine, those two, to me, are, like, the ideal every day of the rest of your life courses. Like, 60, 100 yards, golden age, super interesting walkable but enough terrain to keep you intrigued like those two to me are like and i'm sure you've seen i'm sure you've seen waverley maybe you haven't been to proud snack but
1: i haven't i haven't seen either i need to go i need to go to both i i, I made my first uh jaunt into uh maine for like 12 hours it was, i needed it you know about 10 days in maine but that uh, cape arundel would fall into that bucket of like everyday place exactly like it's just t- tiny like tiny but Fun. Well, that's the thing. 5,800 yards is incredible because you could get around it in like three hours. Yeah. Like, are you ever
0: bored at that place with that yardage? No, never.
1: Ian, thanks so much for for your time. Uh, People can find you at at Sugarloaf Social Club uh, Instagram account anywhere else. Uh, If they're
0: interested in hearing more about the
1: field club, we bought a golf course at sugarloafsocialclub.com. Shoot us a note. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fried egg podcast. Today's episode was edited by Garrett Morrison, you know, a talented man behind the mic as well as, you know, doing producing the audio. So, thank you Garrett for for putting this together. As a reminder, you know, if you want to support the podcast, a great way to do so is our pro shop. It's com. There you can find our photography uh, our merchandise uh, a variety of styles we got a lot of stuff in the shop right now uh, with the holidays around the corner and fall here you know pick up some new gear that'll keep you warm uh could be for on the course or off the course we've got stuff that that fits for both so check out the pro shop ProShop. and thank you for listening to another edition of the Friday podcast we will be back soon